Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. Greg Richard, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the studio once again. Thank you. Good to be here. Dream Team, you could say, is back. Well, you could say that. <laughs> some some people might say that. Others, we, others might. We'll say that. <laughs> what have you got lined up for us today, Scott? I thought I'd talk about uh, getting your tomatoes in and getting them ready now for the warmer months that are uh, ahead of us. Yep. Uh, cherry blossoms, they're out in, in flower at the moment, so we'll have a quick chat about them and their likes and dislikes. And another fantastic plant for the garden, the uh, standard royal mantle, is a type of grevillea. Right. Now, Scott, you mentioned now's the time we've got to get tomatoes in. Yes, it is. Uh, it's Look, it's still a bit cool to probably have them out there sitting in the garden. Yep. Uh, I know, even like last night, it got a bit cool. Very fresh last night. Yeah, the blanket came out again. The cat stayed off the bed, but... Uh, so the little hot water bottle wasn't there for me to keep me warm. Uh, but yeah, look, probably a bit cold for your tomatoes out there at the moment, uh, especially if uh, you know, you're up the valley and you might be uh, still susceptible to getting a frost as well. Uh, yep. Tomatoes will surely burn off very quickly, um, you know, if that's the case. But there are a couple of varieties you can start the seedlings off um, with now. Um, so you can just go and buy a packet of seeds if you want to. Okay. Um, some garden centres will already have seedlings going. I guess if you're going to get a seedling, you probably want a nice sort of sunny uh, veranda, for instance, that's, uh, you know, sheltered from the westerly wind. Uh, you could grow them in there. But if you're just going to grow for some, uh, you know, from little seeds, and they're very, very easy to grow yep. from seeds, you just need a bright, um, sunny windowsill in the house. Oh, right, yeah. A little green room. Yeah, and as, as the sun streams in, it just warms them up. They really love it there. So you can certainly do that. Um, look, those um, seeds are going to come out in about or 10 to 14 days, about two weeks. You'll start to see a little seedling come up and okay. pop up. Uh, and you just leave them there, keep on watering them. Uh, you know, they don't want to be really, really soggy, but just, you know, generally keep them moist uh, until they're about five centimetres tall. And I'm thinking that that would be probably getting us through to a time where you could start to get them outside after that. All right, so... Yeah. In a couple of months or so? Well, I think if you put them in now, 14 days is going to get us close to the end of August. Um, another couple of weeks after that as they get a little bit of size on them. And, you, you know, we're into September then. It's spring. The You know, we're starting to get longer days, warmer. Uh, get them out into your normal spot. So you can grow them in pots if you want to uh, or get them into the ground. Look, a couple of great varieties uh, to get going at this time of year, of course, the uh, little sweet bite you know, Tiny Tom yep. uh, type ones. You can get the slightly larger truss ones as well. Uh, or you can just get Rouge de Marmont, which is a, a bigger one, but actually handles uh, the cold a little bit better. Okay, excellent. So besides tomatoes, you could probably put any seedling in there. would be yeah. ideal. Yeah, you could. But a lot of people like to get their tomatoes in now so that, uh, you know, once they start to ripen nice and early for them and they can get a couple of different... Uh, you know, crops in uh, throughout the growing season uh, and look really easy to grow on the windowsill. So that's a great reason to have uh, and, and try your tomatoes right. rather than other plants at this time. Okay, right. So a bit later for other plants. Yeah, just when it actually warms up and they're going to be outside germinating. All right. And we've got Cheryl from Musselbrook and she has two fiddle leaf figs. Aren't looking particularly well at the moment. Hey, Cheryl, what's going on with them? Oh, hello, Scott. Now, the two that I have on the patio, the I've lost a fair few leaves toward the bottom, and now the the other ones are going yellow and they've got brown spots on them. They're not looking very healthy. Oh. Can I cut them off and repot them? The, the actual leaves, is that where... Yeah, yeah well, look, you could give that a go. I don't know that it's going to be very successful, though. I, I think the trouble with the fiddle leaf figs, have you had them outdoors before up in Musselbrook? Yeah, yeah, they've always been out there and they've done fine. But we did have a heavy frost about a fortnight ago, and while they're under cover, um, they 
it does affect them. Yeah, that's still, know, that's still get cold. cold. Yeah, look, I, I think that's going to be the problem. All oh, right. Yeah, I, I've got one on my front veranda. Uh, yeah. It faces south. It's fairly shady in there. Uh, look, it's not you know essentially you know that well protected, but mm. mine's doing exactly the same thing. Uh, oh, the oh, leaves of <laughs> the leaves are falling off from down the bottom. Yeah. The ones up the top are you know they've lost their shine and their luster. Yeah, they look yeah they look really dull and yucky. Yeah. So if if I was to cut it off, you know, like um, underneath where the brownish spotty ones are and repot that, would that work? Look, it might be. You'd probably be better to wait a little bit longer if you want to take some, you know, cuttings from the plant a little bit higher up and just give it a general prune back. They do respond well to a prune. It's just that they start to lose their shape a little bit in that you get these weird branches going off in one direction and then another in another direction. And because of the size of the leaves, they don't hide that sort of weirdness very well. Yeah. Um, it just they just look a you know a little bit sort of stunted um, and munted as as they grow up and out because just there's one leaf on the end of a, a branch that's sort of gone off on this weird angle. So well, these look a bit yeah bit howdy doody because they're sort of got all this bare patch now on the bottom and you know like two feet of bareness and then the brown leaves and then the green on the top. It just looks. Yeah, yucky. Yeah, so look, it probably is worth giving it a little prune back and just right. a- accepting that you might get some weird and wonderful angles before it tidies itself That's up again. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, look, I, I think it just has been, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, that frost you've had a couple of weeks ago. Yes. As I said, certainly mine's not liking the cold weather. Fiddle leaf figs don't really like the cold weather. They're, you know, they're a plant that, um, you know, comes from up, you know, up north further. Yes. And they'll do much better up there. Well, uh, this one, these have done really well. I've had them for a couple of years and they've been doing really well. It's just this last frost, I think, really did give them a shake up. So I'll do that. I'll just leave them for a while and... Um, Give them, give all the dead-looking ones a trim off and see how we go. Yeah, look, good idea. Don't worry too much about fertilising. Just keep on watering them as normal. Uh, Once you start to get some new growth on there, that's when you'll give it some fertiliser. Okay. Uh, Because if you fertilise now, um, you know, it's just going to sort of overload the plant. It can't process it. So just keep on watering. Once you get the new growth on, start to give it some liquid fertiliser then. Oh, rightio. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Okay, and thank you for calling, Cheryl. Thank you. Good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got Peter from Coal Points, and he's got a question about chocos and xanadu. This is a mixed bag of topics here from Peter. <laughs> yeah. Open open the bag and, and, and let us in and have a look what you've got there. Well, Scott, I've got some uh, xanadus that have been in about 15 years. Uh, they're still very healthy, but they've got a big stalk on them now, so I'd like to transplant them. And can I cut that stalk back? Uh, yes, you can. I, I, what's going to happen? They do get that funny-looking stalk on them. What you're best to do is actually try and dig them out and just, in a way, plant them a little bit deeper in the ground, uh, right, yeah. and the roots will just come back out of that naturally anyway. Uh, they're a, a bit like agapanthus. Uh, as agapanthus grow and bunch and bunch, they start to get that bulb and they sort of raise up out of the ground and they start to look a bit ugly. And with yeah. those, you just have to dig them up, split them if you can and uh, plant them back deeper into the ground. And with Xanadu, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Look, they're a really great plant, though. They're a, as you know, they're a type of philodendron. They'll grow yep. in, in the shade. They will grow out in the full sun as well, but they stay more compact in the full sun. Uh, but in the shade, uh, look, they really have a really lovely luster, and uh, they'll cover the ground and do a great job for you. Yeah, and when's the transplant? 
Oh, look, uh, you, you're getting towards the point where you could transplant. Uh, there's, there's no real harm in, in doing that. Um, in fact, sooner rather than later, uh, you don't want it to be getting into the hotter months of summer where you start to disturb the, the root system of the plant and it really suffers. At the moment, ground's still moist. It's still, you know, fairly cool. Uh, you know, you're not, uh, you know, moving the plant dramatically, you know, from a, a protected position to a, a more exposed position. So you could do that transplanting if you wanted to at the moment. Yep, all right. And the chacos, we've had a really good uh, season with chacos, but the, the plants now died off. What do I do with that? Uh, well, you could just... Uh, the plants died off, has it? You could uh, just, you know, if you wanted to gather some seed from, you know, some of the existing fruit and, and replant that. Uh, if you wanted to, you could give it a cutback and see if it comes back again for you next year. Yeah, all right. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Good okay, on. thanks for that. Thank you, Peter. Okay, bye. bye. And we got a question earlier from Mark from Thornton. He wanted to know how to grow an avocado from seed. Surely it can't be too hard to do. Well, look, it's it's not. It's like growing any other uh, plant from seed. And there is a problem with it, though. The the plants you go and buy most generally in your garden centre are a grafted avocado. Okay, yeah. Now, that's um, a benefit in, in twofold. And the most, I guess the greatest benefit is that... Uh, you know, they're on a, a, a good root stock, mm -hmm. um, so you know they're going to grow very, very well. Um, they're an exact copy of the plant that you want it to be. So whenever you grow any sort of seed, um, it, it's always going to have some sort of variation. It might yep. only be very, very minor, but uh, that's how we get, you know, variation in, in life <laughs> yep. and in the world uh, by just, you know, growing things by seed and little different things happen all the time. But the main thing with avocados is that they take so long to actually fruit. Oh, okay. It takes a, a while from the shoot up as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, look, it can be about nine years before you get an actual fruit off an avocado plant. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's ages. So grafted ones will typically, you know, almost straight away, you know, but you probably best wait three to four years before you start, you know, actually harvesting your yep. avocado. But uh, yeah, look, a long, long time. I remember um, I had one uh, that had seed grown in the, the place next door to me yep. and it just kept on growing and growing and growing into this huge tree and years and years went by. Yep. Uh, it eventually died in the Pasha Bulker storm because <laughs> oh. the water table came up too high. And now in the place I'm, I'm at, another, you know, an avocado tree was grown there by seed and up and up and up it went. And enough years must have gone by that it actually did fruit. Finally got fruit. Yeah, and it did. It got heaps and heaps of fruit on it. It was a fantastic plant. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you just have to wait and wait, unfortunately, with avocado seeds uh, if you're going to grow it that way. Uh, it's a very lengthy process. Sounds a bit... I think I've asked you that before and you may have said... Don't bother. Yeah, you, you, you want to just smash Davo on toast, you know, on Sunday, but from it's day one. It's but not no, it happened like that. Okay, fair enough. So just get the grafted avocado with your. It's going to happen a lot quicker. Yeah. Okay, I hope that's answered your question, Mark. We've got John from Nelson Bay, and he's got something eating his hibiscus. Hi, right, John. How can we help you? Hello, Scott. Love your show, mate. Um, yes, yeah, so I've got a hibiscus tree, and uh, something is eating it from the ground up about six inches. They've eaten all the bark off it. I've had this happen once before, and it was a rabbit, but it ain't no rabbit this time. <laughs> and, 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 mate, uh, I was wondering if there's something I can do about it and if there's some stuff that I can put on it to, to help it heal. Yeah, look, there is. Uh, that, that's really unfortunate that's happening. Um, how do you know it's not a wascally rabbit again, though, John? <laughs> because, mate, I was born in a country, and, and I know what rabbit, rabbit droppings look like. Aha, aha. And are there any other droppings around the plant that you can identify? No, but... Okay. Uh, 
from neighbours, they tell me that there's a possibility there's some possums around because they've raided me mango tree in the past. Yeah, look, absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, when you start getting bark eaten like that, mm. uh, it, it's going to be something fairly large. As you said, it's you know a rabbit, um, most likely a possum. The old rodent will do some damage as well. Um, they get pretty hungry and they'll get up and you know eat all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But I, I would think it's most probably a possum. Um, look, not much you can do about that, uh, unfortunately. I think you can, you know, you know, get sort of possum traps and relocate them and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm not really sure about the uh, legality of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to provide any advice on that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, certainly uh, it, that's probably what it's going to be. You might be best just trying to put some sort of barrier uh, around the plant to try and keep the, you know, the little critters away from there. As far as trying to repair the plant, yeah, look, you can do that. Uh, there's products out there um, called Steriprune. Uh, it's sort of a tar-based paint. It will patch it up. Uh, but if the possum, you know, has had too much of a gnaw of the plant, it might have actually wrecked up, you know, the, the cambium layer where all the nutrients flow up into the plant. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you just have to, you know, keep an eye on it, um, try and, you know, spray it with that uh, steriprune paint and uh, just try and protect it, keep it well watered and just watch what happens, unfortunately. Thanks very much for that. I can get that stuff from Bunnings, can I? Oh, look, any good garden centre will be able to help you out with that. Um, yeah, you can get it as a, a pressure pack or as a little paint, um, you know, and you have to sort of sacrifice a paintbrush when you use it. But it's a, a, a great um, product, those sort of tar-based paints to uh, protect, uh, you know, any cracking in the bark. If you've got a citrus, an old citrus tree, for instance, that's got... Uh, uh, you know, cracked bark, you just paint it on that and it will just create a nice seal and it stops any pest and disease getting in. Thank you very much for that information. Okay, good on you, John. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we've got Kevin from Morris and he's calling about the grass tree. Yes, the old Xantheria. Hello, Kevin. What's happening with it? Uh, it looks like it's dying. Is Ah, okay. Yes, I'm worried about what I've done wrong with it. Oh. Um, I bought it at a nursery about three or four years ago, yep. and you know, it cost me a few hundred dollars because it's a metre high, Yes, and it was in a small pot, plastic pot, mm -hmm. so I've replanted it into a um, bigger ceramic pot, fairly large one, and I've bought the native soil, Good, good. I uh, bought the native fertiliser. Good, yep, Do it, mate, you're doing all the right things so far, so keep on going. But, um, I don't know, it, it looks dead. <laughs> when when you bought it three years ago, when did you transplant it? It sounds like you only transplanted it quite recently. No, no, no. I transplanted it the, the next week into a ah, bigger pot. Ah, okay. So it's been sitting in that pot for quite some time now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had, had ants, ants go into it to make nest little black ants, so I put some ant dust in it. Would that hurt the plant at all? Look, at that, that wouldn't necessarily hurt the plant, but that's a fantastic clue. So we can, you know, sort of be plant Sherlock Holmes uh, here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Now, the grass trees, the xantheria, although you don't see it very well, but right deep down in the crevice of the little grassy tuft up the top, they can get yeah. scale insects, and it's very, very difficult to see. Now, what that scale insect does is it uh, exudes a little residue, a little sort of sugary residue that the, the ants love, and that's probably why they're coming up into the plant. Yeah, uh, that uh, that scale is sucking the sap out of the plant and making it look sick, and that's what's happening with your plant, I should imagine. Yeah. So, mate, you can get if you want to. You can use some white oil and uh, spray that deep down into oh, yeah. and let yeah. that run down into the fronds. 
Uh, look, you can cut it back if you want to. Uh, you could set it fire, to, you know, set it on fire if you actually wanted to, because that's what happened. Uh, you know, um, that's what happens in the bush, and uh, you know, it, it gets rid of all that pest and disease. And those plants are, you know, built over time to be able to handle that and come back. Yeah, well, they're supposed to be just virtually indestructible. Well, I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Look, the other thing I don't like, and the reason why I was asking you about it, is they don't like. Um, the transplant process. So, uh, yeah. yes, oh, they do. They, four years ago, I transplanted yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. They they do cost a lot of money because they have to be you know taken in accordance to license. You can't just go out in the bush and do yeah, it I yourself. went and bought it at a, at a nursery. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is, even though they've dug it, they have to let it sit in the nursery for about nine to twelve months because it actually takes that long. Um, for them to show if they're yeah. feeling sick or yeah. not um, after the transplant process. Oh, it was completely healthy when I bought it. Yeah, it had a spear on it and everything. It was in this tiny little plastic pot and it was you know, nearly a metre high. In it. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I, I think I'll be going and getting some white oil or some sort of scale insecticide yeah. okay. and giving it a good douse of that. Uh, that'll get rid of the ants as well for you and I think you'll have uh, you know a, a happier plant. If you've got some blood and bone, Give it a light feed with that as well. It'll really like that. Okay, thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Kevin, and good luck with it, mate. Bye. Japanese cherry blossoms are in bloom here. They are. The symbol of Japan, but it's the time of year for them here in Australia, and they are starting to look spectacular. Oh, right. Yeah, have you ever been over to Japan? No, I have not. Yeah, very, very interesting not, place. Not, phys- not physically. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I took a trip over there a few years ago. But yeah, lovely, lovely place. Unfortunately, wasn't in the cherry blossom, blossom season. Yeah, um, that's in, in spring, obviously, over there as well. Um, that's just the way the, the seasons work in the northern and southern hemisphere. That's surprising, isn't yeah, it? We've yeah, worked, we've worked that one out yes. at least. But, uh, yeah, look, what a great place. And, the, and uh, a massive city, uh, Tokyo, but um, fabulous parklands as well. Right. Yeah, and uh, look, the, the cherry blossoms are there growing and, and you can just sense how much they would dominate the city, uh, you know, when they're out in flower in spring. But, yeah, look, uh, a very, very interesting place to go and uh, only a short nine hours away on, on a plane. Nine hours, is that yeah, all? Yeah, it's, it's really not that far up there. You can do it overnight and... Uh, Be back by the weekend. Pretty much. It's a completely different world. You could go up there for the cherry blossoms and uh, yeah, come back in time for work on Monday morning. Oh, what, what a great idea. Let's, let's do it next week. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but look, fantastic. you can actually go closer to home though uh, because they are out in flower and looking re- really, really lovely. So they are successful here? Oh, most definitely, yeah. Uh, look, the only thing that really holds them up here a little bit uh, in Newcastle are our really, really hot summers. Yep. Uh, so if you are going to try and grow a cherry blossom and make it a really nice, healthy-looking plant after the flowers have dropped off, you just need to get it into a, a sort of almost you know, slightly protected position where, uh, you know, after, say, 1 or 2 o'clock in that really hot uh, you know, summer sun that they start to get some dappled sunlight. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's a great position for them. Uh, try and get them out of any hot winds as well. They don't particularly like that. Uh, they do like a really deep, rich soil. So uh, you know, they don't like clay. Um, so uh, you know, around Merriweather and up on your, your hills of the area, they're not going to do very well there. So okay. they want. If you're going to do it, you just have to dig a nice big hole. And uh, get some really great deep, rich soil in there. How how dig a, big are we deep, digging here? That's, oh, look, you know, it's, I want the old back pulling out on me. And no, no, it's not that bad. You know, just a, a few shovelfuls of soil right, out so there. Right, so not like not, 
two meters or anything. No, or, no, no, nothing, nothing quite that. We're okay. not, we're not sort of digging a, a shaft to the center of the earth or anything <laughs> like that, where where dinosaurs and other monsters are going to pull back out of. But look, just breaking up that that soil uh, is going to help your plant uh, go, um, you know, pretty well. They do prefer the colder climates, obviously. So uh, if you're heading down around, you know, Mount Wilson, uh, you know, Lura, Katoomba. Um, you know, in New South Wales, uh, you know, you can go down there for the weekend. You don't have to buy the plane ticket and you can be down there for the weekend. That's a lot shorter. It certainly is. You never know, squeeze down there. Uh, lovely part of the world, but uh, definitely rug up at this time of the year. But you're going to see some nice plants. Uh, look, obviously, down around Victoria, Adelaide Hills, South Australia, you're going to see some lovely cher- cherry blossom uh, displays down there as well. There's also a fantastic, uh, now that I think about it, a fantastic Japanese garden in Adelaide. So if you are down that oh, way, okay. it's well worth going and having a look at the cherry blossoms. It's not a massive garden, but uh, it's got a beautiful pond in there and cherry blossom trees. So at this time of year, it would look spectacular. But uh, yeah, down around the Blue Mountains, it's going to look great right about now. Excellent. And you can also pop it in your gin too. I guess you could as well. You could. You? Yeah. Well, it's, I've seen it on labels. It says Japanese cherry blossoms are in there. It, it's a, a botanical for the uh, for the taste. A, yeah. A, uh, look, for the senses, you might say. Uh, the other thing about it at the moment, if you do want to get a cherry blossom for the garden, uh, you know, you can get weeping cherries as well, the standardised ones that are, you know, up on a, a stem about 1.8 metres high, they spill down to the ground. Great time in the garden centre because they're all out in flower, so you can actually go along there and point and go, oh, I like the colour of that one, you know, from your whites all the way through, uh, you know, your pinks, uh, mauves, uh, into some darker purples as well, and reds. Uh, so great time to get along and look at all the different varieties and, uh, you know, the different styles of cherry blossom and heights uh, that you can get. Excellent. Sounds like a lot of options for the cherry blossom. It is, uh, and again, a good tough plant. Just keep it out of the, the really, really hot sun here in uh, Newcastle in summer. Right, so just think, I think we're either planted on the house, the not so the, not the afternoon sun. Oh, uh, look, look, I just worked out southern Norman, <laughs> northern hemispheres. Then I'm <laughs> not going much. to go east and west. It's, That's just far too much for me. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much, and uh, that's all we've got time for today. Okay, talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. <laughs>